Hello, thanks for joining. This is Proof of Change brought to you by ChangeDAO. This is a space to elevate the stories of change makers using NFTs as a force for change. My name is Drew Simon. In this episode, we continue our recap series of NFT Storyteller Seattle, an event dedicated to bringing together the community to celebrate stories of change. We share with you the interview hosted by David All, ChangeDAO's founder and host of NFT Storyteller Seattle, and Joanna Kawahara-Lino, curator at Seattle NFT Museum and content strategist at Artblocks. Now, before we dive into the story, I wanted to take a moment to thank our friends at NFT Go for making this podcast happen. NFT Go is an all-in-one NFT analytics platform that includes NFT alpha by ranking, rarity, whale tracking, drops calendar, and more. They're a huge supporter of ChangeDAO, so make sure to check them out at nftgo.io. And now, on to the story. To help set the stage, I would again like to lead us into the story of change with some beautiful music from local artist and founder of Blackheart Honeymoon, Ian Prebo. So let me introduce you to Joanna. She was born in Tokyo, raised in Lisbon, went to boarding school in the UK, and now living in Seattle. Thank you very much. She was nearly an Olympian rower. She is the curator at the Seattle NFT Museum, content strategist for Artblocks, generative art platform, and a curator for ChangeDAO, and advising me personally on art at ChangeDAO, which is great. So, Joanna, I would love to start uh, with your introduction to art and your various roles in the traditional art world. Okay, um, so a quick disclaimer. I sound like a massive douchebag when I speak because of my accent. But, so please don't think I'm being arrogant. It's just how I was raised. Um, so, <laughs> I started off in the art world from a very young age. I was obsessed with Kandinsky when I was little because I think he had an art form that I could actually understand as an illiterate child. Um, and then that kind of evolved into me wanting to study art and my mom being really strict and saying, absolutely not, do a science. And we compromised with architecture. I hated it with a passion, but I kind of persevered. And whilst I was studying architecture, I was sneaking into Sotheby's and doing internships and apprenticeships. I was working with startups in the Silicon Roundabout, which is like the shorter chariots. Less impressive than Silicon Valley, but, you know, it, it, it does the job. Um, and then from then on, I kind of, got this little bug where I really wanted to do something in the art world and I wanted to make a change. And I think the, <laughs> the last drop was when I read Van Gogh's biography and I was absolutely heartbroken to find out that as an artist, he didn't really get to enjoy any success whilst he was alive. So I felt like as a mission, I should 
help artists who are alive enjoy success whilst they are still here. You know, give them flowers whilst they can accept them, not on their grave. So um, I kind of met a tech bro who was telling me about NFTs in one of these Sotheby's events. And it turns out he made a bunch of money out of buying Ethereum at 17 cents. And I was like, wow. Um, first of all, really rude that we didn't meet earlier and you didn't tell me how to do this. But also, I started to understand the technology in more depth and I started to see a lot of ways in which NFTs could really help artists to kind of make money from royalties, from being their own marketing team without having to give galleries a ton of money. Um, and that said, I did find, I, I did found, find, found, English is my third language. Um, I founded a gallery in Lisbon um, straight after my master's and the business model was to kind of give artists 90% of the profits, we'd get 10 for running costs, so everything was really expensive, but we always sold out, which was great. The gallery is still running. I didn't get paid very well in that gallery because the head investor was Swedish and not very nice. And so after nine months of like not being paid, um, I kind of had to call it quits, but it was a great project. And some of the artists were able to buy houses straight after, so... As you can see, I really ramble on about artists because I feel like they deserve to kind of get representation and to get to make a career out of the arts so that no one has to go to architecture school because their parents think that the arts are not a viable field. So it might be also me being a bit spiteful towards um, my mom. So, but I love that she's great. That's it. Speaking of architecture, the UW campus is quite wonderful. I don't know if you've walked around and checked out all the various styles of architecture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Spends a lot of time in the library. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, you're throwing me off here a little bit, so we're going to jump so right sorry. back on track. I'm really okay. bad at tangents. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I would like to circle back to the things that you're doing in Web3. Um, but first, I, I actually want to hear, like, what brought you to Washington? Because oh. we're going from Sotheby's and opening yeah. up a gallery in Lisbon. Okay. So the reason why I was so embarrassed when I said I didn't go around um, UW much, it's because I actually came here to do a post-grad in business from UW. Um, and I did. I just didn't set foot on campus very often because it was when COVID was just rampant. So, yeah, I came here to do that. And then the Seattle NFT Museum opened on my birthday when I was just about to quit the art world because after that gallery thing, I was really traumatized. I was like, this is really shitty. I don't want to carry on in a business where I don't really get to be as actively helpful towards artists. COVID didn't help. And then the museum opened, and I was like, you know what? I'll give it just one more chance. And then suddenly it just sucked me back in. And I was like, okay, fine. And now here I am um, working with the Seattle NFT Museum and Art Blocks, which is really amazing. I love it, that. <laughs> so 
you have lived in a number of different cities, mm-hmm. and in our pre-interview, we talked about bullying and the experience of feeling bullied quite a bit. Yeah. And so I would love for you to share your experience and also how it has shaped who you are today. So, as you can probably tell, uh, my coping mechanism for most disgraces and inconveniences is humor. Um, however, that didn't come very easily, and it was a lot of trial and error. You know, I tried being a bit of a more emo kid, didn't look up pictures on my Facebook, you won't find any. Um, but I turned to the arts a lot, and I felt like there was something very special about not taking out this anger that I was feeling because I didn't know what I'd done, what I had done wrong. Like, you know, some people were bullying me because I was half Japanese and I was like, not even a full immigrant that you're like bullying me. So I can't even imagine what some other people had to go through. Um, and that kind of played a part into, well, this has gone really quiet all of a sudden. I'm so sorry, but. It happened and I kind of went through a phase where I had really bad body dysmorphia. I developed a couple of eating disorders. It was really tough and I kind of say it in a bit of a light way because, you know, it's a bit of a depressing topic. Um, struggled with a little bit of mental illness. You know, I spice up that trauma a little bit. And, you know, it kind of shaped me to be someone very resilient. Um, I was really difficult to be bullied because I sometimes found what they said funny and that would sometimes anger people more. So sometimes I'd get like, even teachers sometimes would make fun of what I looked like. For the longest time, I thought like having slightly more almond shaped eyes was like a sin because people would just point it out and make fun of it so much. And because of that, I became a massive nerd. I was forced to develop a personality. And then puberty hit, and suddenly we were like, okay. Um, and I kind of managed to learn a lot about art when I didn't really have a social life as a teenager. So that's why I'm sometimes a bit socially awkward. Um, it's because of that. And I just lost my thread of thought because... You know, revisiting trauma can be a bit of a difficult thing to do, especially in public, let alone (laughs) with one of your closest friends in Seattle just laughing at you from the front row. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I think learning to kind of take adversity in your step helps you push further and kind of looking back. If I hadn't gone through... The bullying, my father dying, my best friend dying, fun. Um, I wouldn't have been able to empathize with artists in the way that I can. I wouldn't have been able to kind of feel the need to help people as much as I do. Because for the longest time, I, as I was working in the art market, I didn't have much money. Um, I couldn't really afford to do a bunch of the things my friends were doing. And all because I believed in my goal of helping out artists and helping out other people so that they wouldn't have to go through the entire experience of being an underdog for their entire lives. That that was a really long sentence. I mean, I'm so sorry. 
moral of the story is that that really helped me to kind of keep my eyes on the prize and never give up. I sound like a fitness bro, but they're onto something there, I swear. Like, if you really stay goal-oriented, there isn't enough bullying in the world that could deter you from getting to where you want to get. And I'm almost there. No, no, no. Oh, oh guys, come on. It's always hard at the microphone, right? Thank you yeah. guys for clapping. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Now let's turn back to Web3. Thank you. The Seattle NFT Museum opened on your birthday, as you said earlier. Oh, <laughs> Amazing. Also when the Seattle NFT Social Club started, there was a few people there. Oh, <laughs> so, I did not know the, that. Yeah, because of the museum. My birthday this year is going to be so fun. Party at the museum? Yes, yeah, so it's actually their one-year anniversary, but it's also a thinly veiled excuse for me to have a big birthday bash. So everyone's invited. If you don't come, I'll take it personally. January? 14th. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I want to hear more about this experience. Um, but first, can you tell us about your previous experiences, specifically with NFTs and the art world, and even onboarding artists into the space for your own gallery? Yeah, so when I was working in that gallery in Portugal, it wasn't all bad. Um I developed a really good network of really interesting artists and quite a lot of them didn't even have a platform to kind of be showed on. And that's when I started to onboard people into NFTs. I started teaching them how to make a wallet. I had to explain to them why screenshotted your, screenshotting your, your seed base is just a terrible idea. I get so triggered just thinking about it that I forget how to speak English. Um, and then I kind of helped out one of my artists to get acquired by the Wynn family. Um, they are a big art world um, and Las Vegas hoteliers family. Um, and that felt like a big win because now this artist whom I've met when he had four euros in his bank account and was walking dogs for a living suddenly could buy a house. Um, and getting that satisfaction from helping him getting into NFTs and then kind of grow his audience in a very organic but also terrifyingly exponential way was really rewarding. So I selfishly wanted to feel that kind of hype and that um, adrenaline of helping someone kind of reach astronomical success within a small time frame and NFTs allowed me to do that and whilst I was helping them reach astronomical I say this I'm very exaggerated um, help them reach impressive um, success within a small time frame um, I started to feel like there were so many artists out there who didn't have someone like me to help them out that joining places and institutions that could educate them and educate the artistic communities in certain places, i.e. Seattle, um, was the best way I could kind of get to engage this um, almost obsession of mine to kind of help people get into NFTs and get into financial freedom, mainly artists. Sometimes I'll help out like a random person or two, but 
Not as much because I'm booked and busy right now. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's hear a bit more about what it means to be the world's first curator of the world's first Seattle, you know, NFT museum in general. So can you tell us more about what it means to be a curator? Oh, um, I don't know if you guys know much Latin. Um, again, that was such a snooty sentence. Um, so it... In Latin, um, the word curator comes from the Latin word curare, which means to care for. And I think as a curator, one of your biggest missions is to kind of care for the artist's vision, care for the artist, care for the way in which their art is meant to be shown. And that also comes from picking who the artists are. And that is something that is really big in Change Tower, is that you also are curating people. You are caring for the people you bring into this mission. You care about the outputs that they're going to come up with. So I'd say caring is like one of the founding pillars of curation and curatorship. So can you tell us a bit more, like specifically like your day-to-day? Oh my gosh, sorry. I was just giving you some um, inspo. I guess, <laughs> guess that's not good enough. So... um I would say my day-to-day in, as a curator entails a lot of phone calls, uh, making placards for artists, kind of sifting through hell, which we also know as Twitter, to kind of find an artist or find a piece that I like. Um, so there's a lot of staring at screens. There's a lot of looking at art that looks like art that already exists and people are really hyping it up, even though, you know, if you looked at a history of art book, you'd see, oh, actually, this is a copy of blah, blah, blah. Not to name names, but grabbed Rebellion. Everything's derived from Edward Hopper. I'm not kidding. Side by side, same thing. I wouldn't invest in it because long term, that's not going to do well. But, for example, this kind of thing, this kind of analysis, you also do it as a curator. And you have to think long term, how would the museum look if I were to invite Grant River Yoon to showcase with us? So there's a lot of thinking short term and long term, because we are so early that you're actually shaping the subject of curation in Web3. And as someone who has taken academia very seriously, I do have to take my research and looking into artists and whom we bring into the museum and our community very seriously. So I'm not just curating art, I'm not just curating artists, I'm also curating the subject itself. It's kind of like that snake eating its butt. <laughs> like tail. Sorry. <laughs> I'm foreign. <laughs> it happens. I'm so sorry. Sometimes I forget. So you come from this... Uh background of working at very prestigious auction houses of, as you said, very strict academic background and art history and the, a lot of just brushing up with artists in the art world. What are the challenges that you're seeing in NF, or an artist that is coming into NFTs? Like, from your perspective, <clears throat> as trying to curate their work, right? Yeah, I think... You know, it it happens also in the traditional world. It's visibility. It's the fact that we are so saturated, especially in the internet. We are saturated with visuals. We are saturated with information. So 
sifting through that information and sifting through the millions of incredibly talented people that are out there drowned in the billions of idiots that are on the internet can be very taxing it can be very challenging for you to kind of distinguish what might be a diamond and what might be a piece of glass which are both valuable in their own ways but you know yeah it's it's really difficult to kind of be able to prioritize as well um, the people that you find because how are you going to tell someone that they're better than the other? You know, it's, it's really tough. And I, I am a big advocate of um, kind of sitting with these really awkward feelings. So if there is an artist that approaches me, I won't tell them like, absolutely not. But I will definitely sometimes give them some sort of direction. And sometimes I help like younger artists um, look into books and um even films that might help steer their artwork towards a path that might be more viable for the art world. So it, it's always really tricky to uh, deal with rejecting artists and sifting through, again, the incredibly high amount of imagery and material out there. So I'd like to learn more about art blocks and your work with Artblocks. And for those that don't know, Artblocks is a generative art platform. So I'd love to hear more about what generative art is and also what you're doing over there. Yes. So first of all, Artblocks is a fantastic example of the change Web3 can have on the way we look at corporations. Because... When I joined Artblocks, I was thinking like, no, oh, this is going to be great. But it completely surpassed all and any expectations I had. They look after you incredibly well. They treat you in a way that it almost feels like you're just working with pals. And they're sending you like a gift card because they had to wake you up too early for a meeting, which happened like today they they sent me a gift card to buy myself a coffee or breakfast because i had to be at an 8 a.m meeting so it's fantastic it's wonderful it's so nice because to me it's not early i i when i was training to be an olympic rower i was waking up at 4 a.m so to me this was both ridiculously kind but it really sunk in how much art blocks oh my gosh how much Artblocks cares for their community and how they look at their employees as part of their community. Um, that said, Artblocks is revolutionary because generative art is a genre that has been around for a few years since computers have been around. And what Artblocks is doing is kind of weaving um, generative art into the fabric of Web3. What does that mean, Joanna, you ask? Um, it means that you are able to create code, creative code, that you embed onto the blockchain. So for as long as the chain is alive, your code is alive, which means your art can be still generated on chain for as long as you live. For, no, for as long as the chain lives, you, you will die like way before the chain lives, hopefully. Otherwise, we're all screwed. <laughs> but... Um, and Artblocks does this incredible thing, which is a generative art fund 
which is a philanthropic fund that allows for artists to do a residency with them. And doing a residency with some of the best and the brightest in the field is a privilege um, that many people don't get. So creating philanthropic um, initiatives in Web3 is incredibly important, especially in the field of the arts. Um, generative art is basically imagine the computer as your paintbrush. And would you tell a photographer that their photography is not art? No, because, um, I mean, some people did back in the 1950s when photography first came out and people were not happy about that. But now it's a legitimate form of art and that's what generative art is. It's art that is created with a computer or some sort of um, software. Um, and it kind of allows for output to be very intentional whilst using something that is so automatic. And funnily enough, uh, our next opening at the Seattle NFT Museum will include a lot of great examples of generative art, so I highly advise you guys to come in to check it out. But Artblocks curates a fantastic selection of people who do creative coding in the most fantastic, groundbreaking way possible. They're, they're really good. The team of creators is fantastic. I was an early Artblocks uh, collector and a participant in the Artblocks Wikipedia. So yeah, I was writing stories of artists in their Wikipedia. Most of them, all of them, I would say. Oh yeah, actually. Yeah. Are you getting a friendship bracelet? NFT? Oh, I don't think I'm on the list. I mean, do, 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 sorry guys. <laughs> do you own a not blocks NFT? Yes, of course. Well, then you're getting a friendship bracelet. Oh, amazing. It's a drop for all art blocks collectors. Oh, very Giving amazing. Giving back to the community. Oh, nice. Yeah. This is uh, Eric Snow from uh, Eric Calderon is the yeah. founder. Sorry, also, sorry to the Shill King. I didn't mean to oh, steal oh, your, yes. your the thunder, king, the but here we are. The kings of the Shill are both in yeah. the room. Um, so, you know, on Eric, uh, actually, if you guys listen to podcasts, I mean, if you're ever down or thinking or whatever, I listen to a lot of podcasts of founders sharing their stories. And Eric Calderon in his podcast with Kevin Rose, uh, one of his early ones, really just listening to that podcast, I had already been collecting generative art, but after listening to that, it was just like so clear what was happening in the world. And I think it takes a while for all of us like, no matter who, where you are or where you think you are, like, there's always a lot further to go in the industry. And that was one of those moments, hearing that story, that really had it clicked. And Yeah, so I appreciate you sharing. And, yeah, it's amazing. Um, okay, cool. So back to what I'd like to hear. Um, so you're helping us out over at ChangeDAO. And ChangeDAO is this NFT-giving marketplace for changemakers, big on the art, big on social change art, where there's actually a few social change art pieces around the room, something that we're focusing on. And I would love to hear your perspective, maybe one of the projects that, you know, if you want to talk about anything related to it, how you feel like art can influence change in the world. 
Um, so I am going to piggyback on one of David's favorite examples, which is Guernica by Picasso. It's um, a painting that was created as a form of protest against the war in Spain, the Civil War. And it's one of the most blatantly open forms of a middle finger to your government as a famous person, which many people nowadays don't really have the courage to do. Um, so I think one of the wonderful things about Web3 is that we get a lot of people who are willing to give a middle finger because it's decentralized and so many of them are undoxed. So um, with ChangeDAO, obviously we're not flipping off anyone, but we are creating... Um, an environment in which people are able to use their creativity to bring attention to issues, no matter what issues they are. For example, the Virginaut who introduced themselves earlier on, they're creating art that is a protest, generative art as a form of protest. That's groundbreaking. That's incredibly exciting. And at ChangeDAO, what we're doing is using people's platforms and people's talent to bring attention to issues that these people are passionate about because passion can be an incredible driver of change and who's more passionate than an artist you guys I mean we all know it's a stereotype for a reason so I think kind of harnessing that creative capital is a great way to get people on board with change because when you see someone so riled up and so passionate about a cause, you tend to lean in and want to help. So I think what ChangeDAO is doing is both incredibly selfless, because he is one of the most selfless people, one of the most supportive people on this planet. And I wouldn't want anyone else spearheading ChangeDAO because David is the face of it. He is the supporting mom with the camcorder. He does everything and still has the brains to kind of spearhead an initiative that is going to change the way in which we look at charity giving and philanthropy. And that is revolutionary, my friend. And it's very exciting for me to see someone driving change um, at such a rapid pace with so much drive and using art as one of the leading factors in it. And it's been a privilege. It's been really cool. Been fun. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we have a, a number of artists in the room. Some even introduced themselves. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, I would love to hear what advice. There could be some other folks in the room that may say, I'm not an artist, or I've just been oh, playing around with code, or you know, whatever it is. But what can push, how could people like wisely mint their NFTs? Um, so I think there is nothing wrong with going into a shit chain to kind of get your work out there. Um, and if you have to pay less and be on a less well-known or whatever chain, do it. Um, and I think before you kind of let yourself be restrained by your own opinion of what art is, just don't. I think 
This sounds ridiculous, but I think people limit themselves with the idea of what the school teachers said was good art. And for example, if you look at Picasso, he was able to draw a like a life like torso when he was eleven. He did that. He was done with it. And what do you look at now? He's completely deconstructed approach to human form. So I think if you are able to kind of fearlessly go ahead and just do, just start, just doodle, just post it out there, you'll find an audience. Even if 99% of the world hates your work, that's still 19 million people who will like it. That 1%. So the stats are on your side. The internet lets you share your work with everyone. So I think just don't be scared. Don't be scared of feedback. People will have feedback. And sometimes it might be really hard to listen to, but it will be valuable and it will build you up because those bullies might be shaping you into the person you want to become. So just just don't, don't just don't. Just don't, just don't be scared, you know, just, just do it. Like Nike, they really are onto something, those guys. I mean, just do it, just do it. I mean, seriously, don't be afraid and be fearless because there's nothing more noble than courage. And it's not stupid to be courageous. It's actually pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I'm sorry, I'm running out of social battery right now, so it's... uh, you're about to get some unintelligible stuff out of me right now. And on that note. <laughs> Thank you. Look, I this event is about wisdom. And wisdom comes from experience. It comes from misfires, missteps, falling over flat, but courage, as you were talking about, courage, taking that feedback, even though it's tough, but adjusting, right? And then ultimately, you can be like, wow, they're right. <laughs> you know, um, I would love to know if you could give wisdom that you have today to your younger self about NFTs, Web3, what would that be? So I would have probably three pieces of advice. One, if it was like before 2011, I would just get a tattoo that said Bitcoin and Ethereum by and I would buy a ton of a ton of it, and all of a sudden I, you know, make some money and be able to just help out artists without caring for paying bills. But more than that, I would just say, it's okay. You're gonna fail. It's okay. You're gonna make a ton of mistakes, and that's fine. Because knowing myself and knowing that I knew exactly what I wanted to do and whom I wanted to help. I had such a clear mission in mind that all of those obstacles, life got really hard and life will get hard. I'm still thinking like to my younger self, life will get super hard, but trust that drive and trust that goal you have because it will just, I'm speechless with my own wisdom right now. Amazing. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Thanks so much for listening in and a big thank you to Joanna for sharing her story of change and to David for hosting NFT Storyteller Seattle. This podcast is brought to you by ChangeTow and is produced by me, your host, Drew Simon, founder of Crypto Altruism. Thank you to David All for his production support and to Soul Monster for the beautiful graphics design for this podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a fair review for our podcast. And make sure to visit change.org to follow along and check us out on Twitter at ChangeDAO. For those listening in, I hope you'll join us for our next episode where we welcome another extraordinary change maker and continue this movement of change one story at a time. Thank you.